Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I hope and pray you had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, man, as we turn the corner and start to look forward to Christmas, we're in a great series called Share the Gift. And we talked about it during Thanksgiving, you know, share the gift of thanks or share the gift of giving. And today we're talking about share the gift of hope. And I love, I love, love Christmas. And I'm so excited about this. Now, how many of you have your Christmas tree up? Anybody? Yeah, all right, all right. Good, good, good. We, uh, we put the Christmas tree up. And I love putting up the Christmas tree. We love Christmas in our house. Uh, my favorite part about putting up the Christmas tree is going through all the ornaments and starting to see some of the ornaments. And uh, we have all these different ornaments that are on our tree. Uh, this is one uh, that says, Our First Christmas Together. So this is when Lisa and I were married, and somebody gave us this as a wedding gift. So 2001. And thank you to whoever gave it to us. But I love this because we put it up every year, and I think about us being married, and it's great. This is one when my daughter, Grace, who is now 12, she made this when she was very little. And this is a picture of her. She put this beautiful glitter on the back. So, uh, but we put this up every year and just reminding us how she's growing. This is Kate, our youngest one, and she made this when she was in kindergarten. And here she is and the beautiful tapestry around here that uh, she has put together. Uh, this is Mabry, our middle one. This is when she was baptized. So this was two years ago, 2014. And she was baptized right out there, which was awesome. And I love it. I mean, as a parent, I mean, it just doesn't get any more special uh, than watching your child or having the opportunity to baptize your child in the Lord. And so we put that up. Uh, this one is a new one. And this one is from Israel. And we just got back from a biblical study tour with 25 people from our church. And this is olive wood from Bethlehem. And so this is a new one that we added to the tree this year. Uh, just to remind us what Christmas is really all about. And then this is one, when you're married to an artist, they you know, do different ones every year. So Lisa, the girls, they made this. And this was from last year. So this is our 2015 one from us sledding. So we had some big-time sledding. We're big sledders. Anybody else love sledding? Oh, yeah. We love it. So this was our kind of Christmas ornament from last year. Put that up on the tree. And I love, I love putting these up on the tree because you're just seeing kind of the greater story unfold. Right? You're thinking about this going, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, that was awesome. And, and you're seeing all the things that God's been doing in our life and in our family. And you're just like, thank you, Lord. And it also just kind of, kind of gives you hope for what's to come. You're like, well, this has been cool, but I know God's got big plans. God's not finished with any of us. And so there's something really special about putting up the tree and putting the ornaments on. And there's something amazing about hope. You know, it just kind of fills you with hope. Oh, this is going to be a great Christmas. This is going to be a great season. And when you think about the word hope, think how many times you've probably used the word hope recently. Maybe you used the word hope last week, right? You said I hope this turkey turns out, okay? You know, I really hope this comes together. Or maybe you said, I hope all of our family gets along. You know, everybody gets along. Or maybe you said, I, I hope nobody talks about politics at dinner. You know, it's like, I hope, I hope my team scores this next touchdown. You know, I hope, right? Or I hope my team stops them on fourth down and one. You know, or I hope. I hope that this sweater is on sale. You know, whatever it is, you know, there's always this 
I hope, I hope, I hope. And we live in a culture, we live in a society, we live as individuals. There's always this hope inside of us. And I love that our God wants us to be a people of hope, knowing that God will come through. And that our hope is not the things of this world, but our hope is in Him. And as you look at Scripture, the whole Old Testament is a people, a nation, hoping. God, you promised to deliver. God, you promised you would take care of us. God, you promised that the Messiah would come. God, we wait in expectation and anticipation And the hope is building throughout the entire Old Testament. And as you come to the New Testament, we see the hope fulfilled. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. You have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all talk about Jesus. But it's Matthew and Luke that give us the birth narrative. Right, Mark's gospel picks up when Jesus is 30 in the beginning of his earthly ministry. John's gospel really says this. He says, the word became flesh, right? The Old Testament, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that's kind of his birth narrative, right? That the whole Old Testament came to fruition in Jesus. But Matthew and Luke go back and kind of trace, hey, here's how the birth of Jesus came about. And Luke is a doctor. Luke is very precise. All of his details, he's very precise in what he writes. And so pick up here in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1 and 2, this is going to be our Christmas series. We're going to walk through this text together. It's just so powerful, so deep, so rich. And here's what he says in Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So Luke says, hey, there's a lot of stuff out there about Jesus. There's a lot of people who've been writing things about Jesus. Many biblical scholars believe that Mark was the first gospel. Uh, Some believe that there was actually a a gospel before that called Q, which we don't have anymore. Uh, Some people have become Lucan priorist where they say, hey, it's Luke was the first one. Uh, But we know there was a lot of talk about Jesus. Everybody was talking about Jesus back then. And he says, hey, I've talked to eyewitnesses. Now, when you go to a courtroom, what's the most important evidence? An eyewitness, right? And so Luke's like, I've got eyewitnesses. We've seen, we know. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, Theophilus, we're not exactly sure who this guy was, but most likely he was a high-ranking Roman official. And he knew, right? He knew that Jesus was dead on the cross. He knew that the Romans were good at killing people and that for sure he was dead. And he knew he was in the tomb. And now he knows Jesus is alive. And he's like, I want to know what's happened. I want to know what's going on, you know? I want to know more about this. Will you find out more about this? He knows the church is exploding. Theophilus also can mean lover of God or friend of God. So Luke is writing and he says, hey, I want to show you, Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. He's like, I want you to know for certain. I want you to understand what God is doing. I want you to understand who Jesus is. So he goes back to the very beginning. He says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea. Now I want to stop right there just for a second. Because the Bible, you guys, the Bible, a lot of people go, well, the Bible's just a lot of good stories. It makes you feel good. 
The Bible is historically accurate. We have archaeology, we have historical geography, we have science, and, and you know what, I don't think science and, and the Bible are mutually exclusive. In fact, the more we discover in science, the more we go, oh yeah, look, look. I mean, you know, this is what God said, this is who God is, this is what God's been doing from the very beginning. It's interesting, King Herod, I mean, nobody doubts King Herod, you can go visit the Rodian, you know, the palace that he built, you can go visit, you know, Masada and see all these things that King Herod built. Uh, but for a long time, people were going, well, you know, we understand there are a lot of people in the Bible, but there's other people like Pontius Pilate. I mean, nobody outside of the Bible talks about Pontius Pilate. We don't have any ancient historians. And then in 1961, they were doing an archaeological dig at Caesarea Maritima, and they found this stone. It's called the Pilate Stone, right? And they pulled it out, and it says to the governor, Pontius Pilate. And they're like, oh, yeah, right, he's... He's here, you know. It's like, it's like archaeology. Every time they find this other discovery, it's like affirming Scripture over and over. So you have all this external evidence about God's Word. You have people like Josephus and other ancient writers outside the Bible who are affirming what was happening back then. But you also have, and I love this, the internal evidence. You have the life change because God's word is living and active and transforming hearts and transforming lives. And, and we're a part of that process. You know, Christianity has never taken a step backwards. I mean, you're seeing lives being changed all throughout history. And so here's Luke going, hey, let me just tell you what happened. You remember in King Herod of Judea? And, and there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Now, Aaron, the tribe of Aaron, if you were a descendant, you were a part of the priesthood. And over time, there were more priests, right, than who could serve all the time at the temple. And so you were on kind of active duty. You know, it's almost like being in the army, you know, when you have uh, army reservists. And you go for a weekend or you would go every other weekend. So Zechariah was a priest, and he would show up to serve at the temple. And it says Elizabeth, his wife, was also of the tribe of Aaron. Now look at verse 6. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Wouldn't you love for that to be said about you? I'd love for that to be said about me. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. You know what that means? They were faithful. They were at church. They were serving. They were great, you know, with their extended family and friends. People loved them, loved being around them. Verse 7, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. They were missing something in their life. They really wanted to have kids and they couldn't have kids. Maybe some of you can identify with this. You come to church at Rolling Hills, and there's babies everywhere, and you're just like, ah, oh, I want that in my life. Well, here's Zachariah and Elizabeth, and they're showing up, and, and there's this missing part of their life, they feel like. And back then, it was probably even harder because the Jews believed there were 613 laws in the Old Testament, and they believed the number one law was be fruitful and multiply. And so here's Zachariah and Elizabeth, and they're showing up for church and they're serving and they're doing everything that God's calling them to do, but, but they really wanted a child. Well, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving, 
as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. So Zechariah's on duty. It's his weekend. He's showing up at the temple, and he gets chosen by Lot. He's like, yuck. This was a big deal, right? I mean, he gets to go into the holy place and burn incense. He's fired up. He can't believe he gets chosen. Everybody's going to be outside waiting. And it says, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense, And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Now, a lot of times we think about angels and we think that they're puffy and they're plump, right? And they got this little halo thing going and they're playing a harp, you know, and they're just kind of floating around and that's all they, but that's not really what an angel is. I mean, if you look at scripture, you know what angels are? Angels are warriors, okay? And they are warriors of light. They are big, they are strong, and they usually have a sword. I mean, so when Zechariah saw this angel, he's like, ah! You know, I mean, he is scared. He is gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Who's that going to be? John the Baptist, right? He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Now what that is, is a Nazarite vow. Like in the Old Testament, when you were set aside for something spiritual, that God had a big plan for you, you would take a vow of a Nazarite. You would be set apart. He's saying, Hey, he's going to be set apart. God's got a big plan for your son. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, who's Elijah? Elijah was an Old Testament prophet that God used in an incredible way. Elijah is identified with fire because he called down fire on the prophets of Baal, right? He he was just, he was this just amazing prophet to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children And the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now when Zechariah heard this, he's like, whoa. We've been waiting for the Messiah. And you're telling me that Elizabeth and I, we're going to have a son. And he's going to be the precursor to the Messiah. Because they knew from Isaiah 40, right? That one would come who prepared the way for the Messiah. They knew all the Old Testament. They knew what God was going to do. And so they've been waiting and waiting. And now Zechariah's hearing this. He's like, wow. The Old Testament ends in Malachi. And it ends with these verses. It says in in Malachi chapter 4, some of the very last verses of Malachi say, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So that's how the Old Testament ends. And then there's been 400 years of silence. And now Zechariah is in the holy place. He's seeing an angel and the angel goes, hey, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth are going to have that Elijah, the one who has the spirit of Elijah in him. You're going to have John. And Zechariah is like, wow. I mean, you just know he's blown away. And then he starts to think, wait a minute. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. 
And the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Amazing, isn't it? Now, Elizabeth is related to who? Mary. We're going to see next week as Mary finds out she's pregnant. She comes to Elizabeth. But here's Zachariah and Elizabeth. And they're like, no way. We have waited. We have waited. We have waited. So what do we learn about hope from Zachariah and Elizabeth? I think a few things if you're taking notes today. Number one is this. We learn the power of hope. We learn the power of hope. You, you guys, when there is hope in you, man, you, you, you feel like you could conquer anything, right? When you lose hope, it just kind of all goes away. You lose the will to, to even go forward. There is power in hope. And I love that Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were praying about a child. And they were hoping that God would redeem them and redeem the nation of Israel. And, and I love that they kept the hope. Even when they were well along in years, they didn't just bail on God. You know what it says that in verse 6? Remember that? Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. You see, there's some people who go, well, God, you haven't come through yet. Oh, well, and just kind of walk away. But Zachariah and Elizabeth didn't. They go, God, you're going to come through. And we're going to be at church, and we're going to serve, and we're going to do whatever, God, you call us to do. Because we believe, God, you are going to bring to fulfillment the promise in us. God, we know you've got a bigger plan. And our hope is not in the circumstances or the things here in this world. Our hope is in you. And we're going to stay faithful to you. Praise God for them. And I think a lot of people have bailed and God's going, whoa, I was getting ready to do something great, you know, and you just kind of walked away. And we quit many times before God can bring to fruition. God's timing is always perfect. And there were 400 years of silence while God was preparing the world for the right conditions that the Messiah would come, that people, you know, could speak the same language, that the Roman roads and the gospel would spread to the ends of the earth. And God was going, I'm getting all this ready. And then Zachariah was saying, well, we're going to stay faithful. We're just going to stay faithful, and we're going to hold on to the hope. Hey, are you holding on to the hope God's given you? Are you holding on with everything you got? Because there is power. There is power in hope. And for you and I to be people that hold on to hope. Second thing we see is this, is that God answers prayer. What did the angel say to Zechariah? He says, listen, Zechariah, do not be afraid. I'm glad he said that because I'm sure Zechariah was scared to death seeing this giant angel right there. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Guys, I believe God hears every prayer we pray. Every prayer we pray. Sometimes we go, well, you know, this isn't really that big of a deal. I mean, God, you got a lot of bigger things going on out there. And God's going, no, I care about you. You're important to me. God hears every prayer we pray. And I believe God answers every prayer we pray. Think about over your life. 
Think about all the prayers that you've prayed. Think about how many times God has answered those prayers. Maybe you remember being in middle school and you were like, I didn't study for this test. Oh, God, please, please, please help me, God. I'm going to fail. And if, if you help me, I'll eat my vegetables the rest of the year. I got, you know, you make all these kind of promises, right? But somehow you made it through middle school, didn't you? I mean, you know, maybe in high school when you prayed. Maybe in college. And the prayers get bigger and more important. Maybe there was a relationship you prayed about. Maybe there's a financial struggle you prayed about. Maybe there's a child you prayed about. Maybe you're sitting next to somebody that you've been praying for, you were praying for, and now you see where they are. You're just like, wow. What happens so often is this, is that we're on to the next crisis, right? And, and God answers prayer after prayer after prayer. And we're like, well, okay, God, but, but what about this? But what about this? What about this? And, and I think Zechariah and Elizabeth were people who were just like, wow, God, thank you. God's heard my prayers. God's going to answer. Elizabeth's like, God, you have shown favor to us. And oh, that I pray that we would be people like that. Oh, God, you've shown favor to us. God, you've answered so many prayers in my life. Thank you. Thank you. And God, it gives me hope that you're going to come through again. The third thing I think we see is this, is the miracle of life. You, you know, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're a microcosm of what God's doing in the nation. As they were praying for a child, the whole nation was praying for the Messiah, for the Redeemer, the Restorer. And they're just a microcosm. But God always answers prayer with life. That's who God is. And aren't you thankful that our God is a God of life? That he brings life into a barren womb. He brings life into a tomb. He brings life See, things that are alive, they grow. And things that aren't alive, they don't grow. You know, they just, they don't. But there is life with God. And there's life in this world. And there's life to come. This life is not all that there is. That there is eternal life. The miracle of life. That when God brought the Messiah, he wasn't just bringing a Savior for that time period. He was bringing a Savior for eternity. God was doing a bigger story than Zechariah and Elizabeth or the nation of Israel or anybody could even know God was redeeming and restoring us 2,000 years later, bringing life, bringing hope, the miracle of life. The fourth thing we see is this, just the need to trust. The need to trust you know, when, he, when the angel announces to him, he says, hey, Zechariah, listen, man, you've been chosen. You're going to have a son. He's going to be John, John the Baptist. He will be the, the forerunner to the Messiah. He'll be in the spirit of Elijah. And, and what does Zechariah do? How can this be? I'm old. My wife is old too. And Gabriel's like, Dude, I'm Gabriel, okay? I'm an angel. You're looking at an angel. I mean, are you kidding me? I think God calls us to trust him. And so often, instead of trusting, what do we do? We offer every excuse, right? God, you can't use me. Are you kidding? Look at me. I mean, I've made mistakes in the past. I've blown it. I mean, God, you can't use me. That's many times our response. And God's going, are you kidding? I am God. I am sovereign over this entire world. I made it. And I can. 
and I will. Trust me. Trust me. Gabriel says, hey, Zechariah, you're not going to be able to speak because of that until this comes to fruition. I think, I think God was saying, Zechariah, listen, you should have trusted me a little bit more. Now, is it okay to doubt? Yeah, is it okay to ask questions? Yes, you can ask any question of God. I mean, Mary, when we'll see next week, and what happens when the angel comes to her? Mary's like, are you kidding? I mean, how can this be? I'm a virgin, you know? And he doesn't get mad at Mary and say, well, Mary, you should have known, you know. Mary was a young child. Zachariah is a seasoned priest. He's older. He's mature. So I think a couple of takeaways for us. Number one is this. We are called to grow in our hope. Guys, we're called to grow in our hope. You know, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which is an incredible chapter. You ought to read it sometime if you haven't. But it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain. Remember that word certain? If you go back to Luke chapter 1, right? I'm writing this so that you will be certain. You'll have a certainty about your faith. In Hebrews 11, it says this is what the ancients were commended for. And it goes through and it lists them, right? Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And it lists all of these people. And Moses and David. These guys were commended for their faith. They were commended for people who just had a hope that God would come through. So are you growing in your hope? I remember the first time we got this chair here at church, and, and, and I saw it, and I thought, I don't know if that chair is going to hold me. You know, I, I looked at it, and I'm like, it looks strong, but I'm not sure. I've put on some pounds lately, and I know. And so, so the first time, I kind of came over here, and I, and I was really gentle when I sat down. I was like, well, all right. And the next time, I was a little bit more, I was a little bit more certain about it. You know, now I don't even think about it, right? I'll be, I'll be talking, I'll be reading God's Word, I'll just kind of come over and just plop down. I don't even think twice about it. You see, the fact is this, as you and I mature in our faith, as we grow in our faith, there ought to be this hope that comes of knowing that God has got this, that God is for us, that I can trust him. And things back in the past, maybe that you used to kind of freak out about, you would get so anxious about, you couldn't sleep, you were worried, you were afraid, and, and, and now you're starting to see, you're like, okay, God's got this. I don't know how it's all going to play out. I don't know what's going to go down, but I know this. Those situations used to really scare me, but I still have a little worry, a little anxiety, but but God, you have come through so many times, and I just trust you. I I just trust you got this. I love Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says, hey, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. What does an anchor do? When a big ship's out, right, and the storm's coming and the waves are beating, what does the big ship do? Drop anchor. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Where's your hope? Are you growing in your hope? Here's the second thing, takeaway is this, that we are called to share that gift of hope with others. We're called to share that gift of hope with others. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly 
to the hope we profess. Isn't that a great word, unswervingly? Not back and forth. No, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. See, you and I, we ought to be spurring other people on. We ought to be encouraging people and challenging people. I think a negative Christian is an oxymoron. I mean, really. I think you and I, if we are in Christ, there ought to be a hope in us. And sometimes I read social media and I'm just like, wow, come on. I mean, everything should not be negative. There ought to be some things that we go, hey, yeah, we are facing real problems. We're facing real challenges. But listen, our hope is not in that. Our hope is in God. God's got this. And my faith and my trust is in him. And I want to be a person who shares that hope. Man, if, if God could raise a dead Jesus, he could raise a dead marriage. He could raise a dead relationship. He could raise up a dead dream. My God is greater. And I want you to know that hope. I want you to have that hope in your life. Are you sharing the hope? Are you sharing the hope in your home, in your workplace? Are people saying there's something different about you? There's hope in you. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where bad things happen, but we live in a world where there is a God who is bigger. And we ought to be the hands and feet of Christ, sharing his hope with others. This past Monday, um, I did a funeral right here in this room for a 29-year-old mom. I got to tell you, it was tough. Her name's Meredith Lawler. And Meredith, uh, I first met Meredith in 2004. We had just started as a church. We were meeting at the Marriott Hotel. And we were doing our youth group, youth ministry, over at Cool Springs YMCA. And at the Cool Springs YMCA, uh, Meredith was working, at a high, she was a high school student. She was working like 10 hours a week. That was her job. And she would come and and hang out and kind of watch us on Wednesday nights. And we had all these interns that were there. Uh, Meredith went to Centennial High School. It was her junior year. She was the cougar, right? The, she had the, the mascot cougar at Centennial. And, and so over the few weeks, we invited her to say, hey, come on, jump in, be a part of the youth group, you know? And, and so she's like, well, I'm getting paid to be here, so I might as well jump in and be a part. And Meredith started coming, and she invited her younger brother, Justin. And they would come on Wednesday nights and have a blast. And then that summer, some of the interns invited her to go to camp. And I love church camp, you guys. I, I tell you, if you're a parent here, make sure you get your kids to go to kids camp or to student camp because life change happens there. And sure enough, she came to camp and she gave her life to Christ. Her and her brother Justin were baptized and um, some people in our church have an outdoor swimming pool and they were baptized in their pool and it was just a huge celebration. She went on to Lee University and after Lee University, she was living in Chattanooga. And two weeks ago, she was, she was hit by a drunk driver. 22-month-old daughter, Mia. And so here we stood, right, on Monday with 400 people or so in this room. And we talked about Meredith. We talked about her smile and her joy. And we talked about that we'll see her again because she knew Jesus. 
and because of the hope she had in Christ. After the service, uh, it was an amazing service, and after the service, this man came up, and he said, you know, I'm friends with their family, and I live in Kentucky, and, and uh, he said, I just wanted to say, Pastor Jeff, thank you so much for Rolling Hills. He goes, I'm just so thankful for a church that would reach out to, a, to my friend's daughter when she was at the Cool Springs YMCA and that she came to know Jesus. He goes, could you imagine how different the service would have been if she would have never given her life to Christ? He said, where would the hope be? I was like, I know. Where would the hope be? Guys, life is hard on its own. And we need each other. We need the Lord. And I know, I know, I know, I am certain, I know the hope that I have that I will see Meredith one day. And I'll enter into heaven one day and she'll come running up and just give us a big hug and, and she's going to see many of you and you're going to know her. And I know one day I'll see my dad again, my grandparents again. I know, I know, I know because my God is greater. And I want people to know that. I want to share the hope that we have in him. God's life is short. It is so short. And for you and I to be people who say, hey, I want to love well the people around me. And I want to be a person of hope. I want to be faithful and serve my God. And I want to be a person who just gives that hope and that love to all those around me. The Apostle Paul was writing to his young kind of protege of the faith, a guy named Timothy. And he, he said, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world now, now, who's that? Guys, that's us. Do you know by virtue of just living in Williamson County, we're in the top 95% of the wealthiest people in the world? He said, hey, listen, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Man, we should never be arrogant. <laughs> to put their hope and not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And it's okay that we've been given so much. God wants us to enjoy it. God's blessed us, but he commands us, if you keep going to verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. <laughs> willing to share. To share the gift of hope that was given to you through Jesus Christ, to share the gift of life that was given to you, that you and I are willing to share. Let me ask you today this. Where's your hope? If your hope is in a person, I gotta tell you, things change. Relationships change. This world changes. It, it can't just be in a person. If your hope is in money, it, it could be here today and gone tomorrow. I'm telling you, the stock market could change. If your hope is in a job or in a career, it, it, it could change. Recessions come. Where is your hope? And my hope and my prayer is that your hope is in the Lord. 
the Lord God Almighty, that you have a hope that is an anchor for your soul, firm and secure, that no matter what comes, no matter the storms of life, that you know that God is with you and God is for you. Because there is a God who loves you. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a second, just for a moment. And I want to ask you this. Will you today, will you today place your hope in the Lord? Maybe today is a day of salvation for you. Maybe you know in your soul and your spirit God's been drawing you to himself. And today you just say, I want to be a Christ follower. Maybe today God's been speaking to you, but you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but but maybe you've started to put your hope in other things. And today God's saying, no, listen, put your hope in me. I'm what will last through whatever storms may come. What have you been praying about in your life? Always know that there's hope. There's hope. There's hope in your marriage or in your future marriage. I want to tell you, love each other. Fight for each other. Be there for each other. There's hope for your kids. There's hope for the dreams that God's put in you. God's not finished with you. You are alive today for a reason and for a purpose. Trust him. Hold on to him with everything you have. Find your hope in him. So Father God, here we are. Father, I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray that we would place our faith and our hope in you and in you alone. Oh God, it's so easy like Zachariah to offer excuses. It's so easy to put our, our hope in things of this world. But God, they change. And today we put our hope in a sovereign God who will never change. You are enough for us in this life and in the life to come. Our hope is in you. I pray that you would draw us all close to your heart today. That you would fill us with joy and with hope. And it's in the name, the beautiful, holy name of Jesus who gives us hope that we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. After the service, I'll be here. There'll be people on our staff, our pastoral care team. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. Whatever you're going through in life, listen, you're not alone. There's a God who's for you, and there's a church that wants to walk with you. At this time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward. This is a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to, to be generous and to share the hope that we have. If you're a first-time guest, all we ask is that you give us your communication card, and we could follow up with you. If you've been coming to Rolling Hills for a while, and you have a prayer request, or man, if this is your first day and you have a prayer request, we want to pray with you and pray for you. Just drop that prayer request in the offering basket. And we want to pray every Monday morning. We get our staff together and we pray through every request. And we've seen God do miracles. Don't give up. Don't give up. Our God is with you. And our God is for you. 
I'm going to pray that you're going to see a video as we talk about share the gift in this season. And I want you to watch what God's doing even around the world. So, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you've given us so much. God, you've given us so much. And I just thank you for Jesus today and the hope we have in Christ. And I thank you, God, that we can be generous and willing to share. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray we give. Amen. Hey, everybody. As a part of our Share the Gift series, I want you to hear the story of Jan and Hedy Ann. Uh, Jan and Hedy Ann live in the Philippines, but they are a part of our online community. Now, you may not know this, but every Sunday, our online community is growing, and more and more people are joining in from all over the world, and lives are being impacted, and community is being formed. And so it's not just, hey, when you're on a vacation and you're traveling that you tune in online. That's important. And we want you to keep up with the sermon series and all the things that God's doing here at Rolling Hills. But it's also reaching people and lives are being impacted and transformed. And so when you give, when you pray, when you're a part of the church, it's not only here in Franklin, Nolensville, Thrive, but it's also across the globe. So listen to the story of Jan and Hetty Ann and the community they're finding here at Rolling Hills. Hello, Rolling Hills. I'm I'm John. And I'm Hetty Ann. We're calling. We're actually doing this call from Philippines. Yes, in the Ilo Philippines. Um, Hetty Ann is my wife, and uh, we've been together for like eight to nine years. I work as a consultant for a mining company uh, for the past uh, for the past four or five years, and um, I'm also working for a solar company with uh, Mr. Tim Hayes. So that's, um, that's why I met Tim, and um, he was able to introduce me to Rolling Hills. With me, I'm now actually working with the company as well. I'm helping out with all the papers and everything. Uh, it, I just actually just started within the year, within this year. On March, um, it came to that point It's because Tim actually offered me to, to actually help me, um, you know, get away from the depression that I was having. And that was because I'm, um, uh, I, actually, I actually had a stillbirth on March and he came in and helped me out. At the same time, introduced to me Rolling Hills, where, you know, it actually, you know, helped strengthen me in a way. Um, Sunday, Sunday is a family day for us. So usually after church in the morning, uh, we go to the malls or we go out for, for some picnics with the kids. And at night, when we come home, sometimes we're, we're tired, we tend to sleep and we have to set our alarm by 11 o'clock. Um, 11 p.m. here, it's, it's like 9 a.m. there in the U.S. So we, we wake up at 11, so we are, we are, we are, so that we could join the service. Our church here, after the mass, everybody goes home and nobody talks about each other. So the self, the feeling of belongingness is different. You know, you, you don't have that kind of community just like in Rolling Hills. And, uh, you know, it's so odd if you make some prayer request in our church. But um, it's, it's totally different in Rolling Hills because, you know, my mother was in and out of the hospital for almost two years. But on the latter part, you know, um, her health has uh, deteriorated. During those situations, you can feel, we feel like 
Um, you're not alone. You're not alone. Because we have the Rolling Hills community helping us pray for my mom, especially for our, the loss of our baby. We lost our baby much. Then after one month, my mom passed away. So it, it's really hard for us. But then, you know, every Sunday night. Just, just knowing, just knowing that um, aside from the family that we have here, we have other persons, you know, praying for us, like supporting us in a way, you know, we really appreciate, especially when knowing that um, when we go online to Rolling Hills, we see, you know, um, we can see that people are really praying for us. Every time you you listen listen to Rolling Hills Church online, you can feel God even here in okay. in the Philippines and. Um, Franklin or Nashville or, or anywhere we're planning to visit the U.S. and one of our itineraries is to join Rolling Hills personally live live in <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we're, we're, we're hoping for that isn't that amazing church. I mean, you guys are impacting people around the world. So, hey, Jan, Hedy Ann, hello. Uh, it's just amazing what's happening. And, and Tim, on business, and he meets people. And a lot of you guys travel. And when you do, you have the opportunity to share the gift of hope and to share the love. And so that's what we're talking about. Maybe you've got one of these brochures and just talks about the things that God's doing that some, some things you see and other things you may not even know what's going on. Thrive or, or what's happening in Nolensville or what's happening in preschool or children or students. And so on December 18th, we're going to have a chance to give a gift back to the Lord, a red envelope gift, and that's for all of us that we have an opportunity to invest in what God's doing as we share the hope and we share the life. Another great way to do that is there's a Christmas tree out in the gallery today. When you walk by, you can pick up an angel tree. Uh, you can also pick up uh, a gift from Moldova. We're taking backpacks to Moldova for help the kids when they go to the orphanages. And so just grab one of these, and while you're out Christmas shopping, if you can pick up a backpack or you can pick up an angel tree and take care of a family locally and a family internationally. And it's a great way for us to be generous and to share the hope with others. So many great things happen in church. Jingle Jam is this week. Don't miss that. Sounds of Christmas coming up. Christmas Eve services at 2, 4, and 6. Uh, just so many great ways to invite people and say, hey, come be a part of what God's doing and find the hope that I've received in Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. What a great morning, church. Wow. Just feel the presence of God today and so grateful and so thankful. So, Father, we love you. We thank you, God, that you're a God of hope and of life. Send us out, Father, into our homes, our workplaces, our communities to be the love of Christ. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we go. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today. God bless. Have a great day.